Καλησπέρα σας, είμαι η Μαριλίζα Αναστασοπούλου και ακολουθεί συνέντευξη με τον James Νίξη, επικεφαλής του Chatham House για την Ευρασία και ειδικό στη Ρωσία, στο πλαίσιο των ενημερωτικών podcast «Ότι Κόσμος». Καλημέρα, ευχαριστώ για όλα. Είναι Ελλάδα, βεβαίω. Uh, it is, this remains a horrific and barbarous situation. As we speak, quite clearly, war crimes are still being committed on the territory of Ukraine. Um, and these two countries, one with assistance, one without, uh, are still fighting it out in not so much guerrilla warfare, but quite scrappy warfare for pieces of land, villages, largely in the east, a little bit in the south of Ukraine. It is a very, very uh, unpleasant and ugly situation. However, we are in a situation that we never expected to be in, whereby the Russian army is not 10 foot tall, it's quite clearly two foot tall, Mm -hmm. and the Ukrainians, who are in a way fighting on our behalf for European security, spilling their blood for us, have proven to be quite extraordinary fighters and have really dug in and entrenched themselves and quite clearly aren't going to give up yet. So we're in a situation where we're facing the prospect, not so much of a clear Ukrainian victory in an outright Russian defeat, that seems a little bit too clean, but we're facing the prospect of whereby Ukraine is going to get for itself as much of the land that it owned before, at least before 24th of February, and possibly even before 2014, Crimea seems a slightly different prospect, Mm -hmm. but certainly the Ukrainians are increasing in their ambitions as they increase in their success. And maybe what was there once, what they accepted on the 23rd of February, uh, they wouldn't accept now on the basis of their success. So there is a possible silver lining to this, and that silver lining is simply that European security has already, was was tenuous and, 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 and basically insecure in, for the last, uh, you know, quite honestly, for almost as long as I can remember. Because these, these plans, these, these ambitions, these appetites that Russia had, they, they stretched back before Putin's time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, maybe, because this is going to have such shattering uh, ramifications uh, on the world, uh, on Ukraine, and also on Russia itself, then actually we're seeing more of the end game now. Um, and I'm not suggesting we can see it this week or next week, but I'm pretty sure that we are about to, we're about to see a massively changed region of the likes of which we haven't seen since at least 1991. So, uh, but what is the principal goal of Putin in this war? Is it the land? Is it uh, Ukraine not looking westwards? What is the principal goal? I think it's exactly the second of what you just mm-hmm. said. So, the principal goal is to ensure that Ukraine is not a westward-facing country. It must be at the very least neutral and pretty much, in fact, within Russia's sway, within its uh, hegemonic grasp. So Russia, which doesn't ironically believe that Ukraine is a real country at all and believes that Ukrainians are inferior, mm-hmm. nonetheless wishes to have it for itself. And of course, if it can't have it, it will wreck it. So, and that's what, so uh, because it couldn't, it was not able to do this by means diplomatic, it was not able to do this by means coercive, or even by means hybrid. So it went for what was Russia's last resort, 
And the last resort was the military, but they were quite serious about it. I think one of the problems in the West is we never really took them seriously. seriously. But uh, you said that uh, we are reaching towards the end game, not yeah. next week, but we're going there. Yeah. You said that uh, the primary goal of Putin is that Ukraine doesn't look worse, good, which apparently has lost that because okay, we've said that they won't join NATO for now, but they want to join the EU whenever, but there is this application and there is this will. So is Putin losing uh, the goal, the main goals that he's said? Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what, is, what is extraordinary here is how far away Putin's military objectives are from his political ones. There's a, a gulf, a chasm between them. So, and his ambition hasn't changed. Putin's this defeat, success, I mean, the ambition will always remain. We can't change what he feels inside where there should be a heart. But, uh, but the reality is, is that uh, Ukraine may not be in NATO in the next few years, may not even get into the EU in the mm -hmm. next few years. I don't know how the EU is going to react to that yet. But Ukraine already is a westward-facing country. The vast majority of the people's mentality and, of course, the governmental mentality is all in the West. There's no attraction to Moscow. There's no attraction you know, for the South towards the Middle East. It's, it's you know, or east of the East and China. Ukraine's only choice now, especially after the war, 2014 and 2022, Ukraine's only possible vision can be... And, and you know, so therefore... That's what makes it so important that the West doesn't betray it. Uh, I've read that they, the West has a history of yeah. uh, kind of pressing uh, countries such as Ukraine to accept the inevitable, but after three months it seems we could avoid the inevitable. But how can actually the war end since Putin, I mean, can he be more aggressive? Can he opt for the nuclear option? Uh, how can we end this war, actually, since... So, so, first of all, I agree with your initial premise, very much so, but nothing worries me more than the Western propensity to force a peace deal on the Ukrainians, which is unsatisfactory, which is written in Moscow, and which leaves Ukraine disenfranchised or emasculated. So I agree with your first proposition. In terms of how does a war end, that is complex, because most wars do end at a negotiating table, and the reason they're fighting right now is so that they can get better positions for them at the negotiating table. Um, so that's why this is going to carry on for a few months at the very least. As it happens, some people say years. I'm not sure I agree with that. And the reason is this, because Russia is running out of money. Mm -hmm. um, it has never experienced force 10 sanctions like these. It can no longer access capital payments. It, it's about to default on its debt, so it can't borrow except at extreme rates. Um, and a lot of its assets, half of them, are frozen. So the combination of that is a perfect storm, whereby uh, Russia will no longer be able to fund its military machine or, frankly, pay pensioners, um, pay those people who are still in jobs, and quite frankly, there's mass unemployment in Russia right now anyway. So I think that it will become obvious at the end of summer, autumn, maybe early winter, I can't say exactly when, that, that Russia is not capable of sustaining this military offensive, this war in Ukraine. Which is, so I think you know, this, is, this is the crucial year. It's this one. It's not next, it's not last. This is, the, this is where it's all going to happen. So we need to be really watching for those signs at the end of the year. Will uh, Putin survive? Will he remain in place? Or you see changes there too in everything? 
Um, I think you'll go. Um, and I haven't been saying this before, I promise, mm -hmm. over the last 22 years of his reign. Um, uh, you know, he's been in power for longer than British now. Mm -hmm. There's a legitimacy problem. It's harder and harder to manipulate elections. And you can't eat glory. This is not the same as, the, as Crimea. Crimea was a short, sharp, quick operation, no blood. And uh, so it was an appeal to a flag. He could, it boosted him. He was on steroids. No problem at all. This is a different proposition altogether. A, a huge country, almost as, as large as France, you know, 45 million people. <laughs> it's, just a, it's, a, it's a completely different magnitude. And so as a result, um, I think that he will lose, but he will declare victory. By which I mean, he will say, I prevented NATO incursion into Russia. I prevented American tanks rolling down the old Arbat in Moscow. I, and so he can, he, victory, he has his own off-ramp. He can, he can say it himself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how this will play out. And you know, that will be ridiculous to us and we'll laugh. Mm -hmm. um, but for him, it'll be his way of, of, of desperately attempting to retain power. But in the meantime, most Russians mm -hmm. of all types will realize but that is an extremely minimalist demand compared to the maximalist demands of what he was asking for in December and when he was about to take Kiev, which he failed to do. So it seems to me that uh, that, that will, in time, you know, give it a couple of years when it really starts biting, then I think it will force him out whether through some sort of combination of uh, a removal at the top and grassroots persuasion below. So the, the combination of the two, Russia, this, this war will change, it'll, it, it will, it, its effects are staggering. And you know, we can't begin to fully understand them, but it'll, it, it's also true for the region, for Ukraine, of course, but also for Moldova, the South Caucasus, Central Asia, it will change the region. Because if Russia is this diminished power, which no longer wishes to control its former dominions, mm -hmm. Then we have, a, we have a different looking region which doesn't have to um, bat, take the knee to Russia every time. Which will take me to my next question, how it will affect the region. So the countries that will no longer be so much influenced by Russia, where they will look towards to? Yeah, so it differs, I mean, it's a large geographical space, mm -hmm. so it obviously differs. If you're in Moldova, you're looking to join the EU right now and their membership application is right in there. And it's got a reasonably European uh, looking government. Uh, on the other hand, if you're in Central Asia, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, you don't necessarily have much love for Europe still. You're too far away. Um, the Europeans are concerned about your human rights issues, broadly speaking, although they still want to extract your oil because they can't get any from Russia, so there are some difficulties there. Um, but they will, look, they will find China increasingly appetizing. Because China has, for a long time now, I mean, for 10 years, China has been eating Russia's lunch in Central Asia, economically, for sure, and now even in security terms as well. And true, the Russians bailed the Kazakhs out in January. Early January this year, Kazakhstan was in trouble, looked like the government might collapse, the president might go. Russians came in and saved them. Fair enough, but that has not meant, interestingly, that the Kazakhs are betrothed to Russians. They're not supporting the Russians in this war. In fact, they've, you know, they've, 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 broadly speaking, they've been on the Ukrainian side, despite being saved by the Russians just mm -hmm. a month earlier. So I think, yeah, alliances will shift. China will benefit. 
um, obviously, because China is probably still going to buy Russian oil and gas, but at a much increased price because it knows it can get an increased price now because if you can't sell to Europe, there's no competition, so the Chinese will put the price up. Um, and I think that means uh, that China, although clearly concerned about this war because it modeled its own army on the Serdukov and Shoigu reforms um, post-2008 invasion of Georgia, then despite that, I think it will worry that what kind of army has it got in order to do the things it might want to do with its army in Taiwan, for example, if its own model was the Russian model, which has proven to be empty. So I have one uh, last question, um, if you would like to comment. Where uh, Turkey stands in this? I mean, we see mm. that now it um, objects to Finland yeah. and Sweden. Mm. And, I mean, how the whole invasion and mm -hmm. the whole situation plays out for Turkey? Yeah, so many years ago, about many, say five or six, um, a Russian official told me, we like Turkey in NATO. Turkey is our Trojan horse mm -hmm. in NATO. Um, and this is exactly what it's proven to be. He was right. Turkey was in because of the size of its army. It felt that we felt that it could increase European security because of its uh, substantial military um, abilities. Uh, and we ignored what was going on inside the country, even though we could see the signs. So it was a long time ago, I understand. But, uh, so, but the reality is, is that since the 2018 incident whereby the Turks shot down a Russian fighter jet on the Syrian-Turkish border, then uh, Russia has shown quite clearly that it is the larger partner. It's an asymmetrical relationship and Russia's in charge. And even though Turkey doesn't always play ball, mm -hmm. uh, not every single time, by and large, when push comes to shove, the Turks do the Russians' bidding, hence the Trojan horse in NATO. So I don't know the extent to which uh, the Turks did this because the Russians lent on them. Mm -hmm. Maybe the Russians didn't really need to lean on them because they were going to do it anyway because of, they were concerned about the, uh, well, they're concerned, concerned about the Americans and Fatullah Gulen and et cetera, et cetera. So it's their, it's their ability. They've seen an opportunity to, to extract a pound of flesh for themselves. Um, and will continue to do so because for the Turks, um, who you know, admitted, you know, who've fought on, helped the Azerbaijanis in the Nagorno-Karabakh war you know, to mm -hmm. victory just a few um, weeks ago, who need the Russian energy. I mean, the Turks, you know, it, it looked at in the best light, they could be a regional broker, which is what Erdogan wants to be. Mm -hmm. But looked at in the worst light, and I think it's very hard to think of them as an honest broker because they don't necessarily have everybody's um, concerns equally to heart. Okay, um, I will keep it here because it's. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I hope it's I'm going to have the to opportunity to speak to you again. So 